Today I welcome Professor Francisco Sayas from the Department of Mathematical Sciences at the University of Delaware, which is situated in Newark in my office. And we want to talk about scattering of acoustic waves. He's visiting our faculty to work with my colleagues on wave problems, and he gave a very interesting talk about this. So welcome to Karlsruhe. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so maybe we just jump uh, into our topic by uh, explaining what is scattering. Okay, so this is a, a, an interesting physical problem that has uh, many applications in practice, but it's also a, a mathematical entity by itself. So the physical intuition is very simple if you think of, of acoustic waves, which is sound waves. So imagine that someone's speaking or, so, or a violin is playing, and then this, the, the sound goes from the, from the speaker, from the, from the instrument, away in the, in the air, And then this sound is going to hit obstacles. So if we can think that we are in a confined room and then the, the sound is going to, to hit the walls and it's going to be reflected, part of it is going to be absorbed by the walls, part of it, part of it is going to be reflected, and it's going to come back around. It's going to, a listener is going to, to hear a direct line from the speaker to, to, the, to the listener, but there's, it's going to also get some uh, side, side lines where there's sound going from the speaker to the wall and from the wall to the listener. Uh, that is one way of thinking of sound. Another way is when you, we think that the space is so big that we don't care about walls. We just think that we're in infinite space. And, but, and then the sound hits obstacles. Part of it is, is reflected. Part of it goes through the obstacle. And someone, some, speak, uh, some listener, is paying attention to the sound, for instance, on the other side of the obstacle. So part of the sound is distorted because of the presence of the, presence of the obstacle. So scattering is the, this effect of obstacles in, in wave field. So in principle, it could be acoustic wave fields, but it, it, the same phenomenon happens when we do electromagnetic fields. So we think of that the, the field is not pressure of the air anymore. The field, the field is now uh, a, a, an electric field or a magnetic field. Or it's the same when we think in the, the propagation of, wa of seismic waves, of, of elastic waves in the ground. So there's, there's, there's something happening, there's movement in, in, in the ground because of an earthquake or because of we just hit with a bump and we try to interrogate the, the material. So there's something propagating and then this, this something is hitting obstacles and these obstacles are affecting the propagation. So the, the scattering itself is just the study of these of this wave fields being affected by the presence of obstacles. There's a part which is, which is the direct problem. We know what we are pushing, we know the obstacles, and we try to figure out what happens. And the second part, which is even more interesting, is we know what we are pushing. We don't know the obstacles, but we can, we can listen to the, to, the, to the effect. And then we try to figure out where the obstacles are or, or whether there are obstacles at all or not. We try to figure out the shape of the obstacles, their, their location, and, and we interrogate kind of the, the, the world through the, the scattering. Yeah. So in, in a way, this is kind of a two... Um, uh, two things. So the first thing is that scattering is a property of waves in general, whatever yeah. waves there are. Mm -hmm. And if we have waves at our disposal, so you started to speak about sound waves and also magnetic waves and um, seismic waves, mm -hmm. we can use our knowledge about how this is scattered as a wave yeah. um, to understand more about regions which we cannot see. Yes. Or cannot um, investigate with, under, with other means. So we just uh, see how our waves, which we introduce into, mm -hmm. for example, the ground of our Earth, um, are 
uh, traveling and yeah. are, for example, scattered as well. Yes. And um, uh, in, in which way is this a mathematical problem? So one of the interesting uh, issues is that uh, while for a physicist, uh, a sound wave and a, and a, a seismic wave or electromagnetic wave is a completely different phenomenon. They are three completely different physical entities. For a mathematician, they are pretty much the same. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's something called a wave. A wave typically for a mathematician is just a solution of a wave equation. And a wave equation is a category of equations. There's, it's not a single wave equation. There's a, a collection of equations that have the same properties in kind of different function spaces. So they live in, in, math, in mathematically different environments with similar properties. And then, so the phenomenon of scattering can be written in with equations that be, be belong to the same collection of equations, the same, the same category of equations, and they can be studied simultaneously. So there's no much difference into studying some aspects, not all the aspects of, of a seismic wave and an acoustic wave. So for a, a mathematician, the two phenomena are very similar. So this is where a mathematician puts things together and they can, a mathematician can analyze the behavior in a, in a pretty much the same way without having to, to resort to particular properties of the, of the physical phenomenon. Yes, but I guess um, even in the mathematical theory, you will have um, different solutions or <clears throat> different uh, properties of the solutions if you have long wavelengths or short wavelengths or if you express it in frequencies, whatever. Yes. So, so this should also be visible kind of in the spaces, yes? Yes, so, so this is one of the, of the, of the funny properties. It's just uh, the, the, even, even the, same, the same wave equation, the same category of equations can be analyzed with different, with different techniques. So it's not, there's not a single set of tools to study the same equation. So there's, a, there's an equation and some tools come from one area of mathematics and they tell you, oh, you, you have waves propagating at finite speed. There's other tools that tell you, oh, energy is conserved, so this is a different, a different kind of properties, and they, you use different mathematics to prove these this, this different aspects of the same problem. So in some of the, of the, of the tools, you see, for instance, that uh, seismic waves are way more complex than acoustic waves. Acoustic waves in, in, in the air, they always travel at the same speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, seismic this is waves. a property of the air, then yes. Yes, it's a okay. property that's just of the of the material. But yeah. in 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 a homogeneous elastic uh, material in just a perfect ground with, with no granulation, even uh, seismic waves travel at two different speeds, mm-hmm. and that's because of the richness of, of what's being transmitted. In in the air, you, we just transmit uh, what we call a scalar quantity, which is pressure. It's just a, a number for each point. In, in, uh, in, in seismic waves, in elastic waves, we transmit displacement, so we actually transmit a vector. We transmit how, how much you move in each of the directions. So there's, there's much more freedom in propagation. There's much more freedom of information to propagate. And what happens is that they, this propagation is, happens at two different speeds. So there's, there's two kind of waves for seismic waves. There's something called pressure waves or primary waves, and there's something called shear waves or secondary waves. And they propagate at different speeds. This is a well-known physical f- phenomenon that also is shown in the equations. So the, when you look at the equations and you analyze the equations, you see these two, pro- two different properties. Mm. Surprisingly, in some of the aspects of, mathematical dealing, math, uh, of dealing mathematically with these equations, these two properties, that one of the, of the wave equations only transmits waves at a single speed and the other one has two speeds, are not relevant. For some of the, of, of the, of the uh, analysis and some of the working simulation, This just happens naturally. It's just a, an effect that you see in the solution and you don't have to take care of when you do the, the simulation. Mm-hmm. 
Um, is this also reflected by the fact that the wave equation for the seismic wave is a vectorial equation? Yes, that's 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 the richness that uh, okay. that wave equation for the. Although, I would say, it is is this additional richness of having a vector a vector equation that gives the room for having a secondary wave. There's more complicated versions, for instance, of seismic waves when we uh, admit materials that are thermoelastic or viscoelastic, so more quantities are involved in the phenomenon, and then we can have even tertiary waves and, and, and waves at more speeds. But if we go to electromagnetism, which is also a vector wave, mm -hmm. it's, there's only one speed. Okay, yeah, because it has a completely different... Yeah. It's kind of funny because I am myself uh, interested in uh, geo geophysical waves um, in this convection in the Earth's mantle. And uh, to find the viscosity of the material which is moving there, one possibility is to uh, read all the seismic data and to make kind of an inverse problem for that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was always fascinating for me to try to understand um, these different wave types and all the information, uh, which is kind of an interpretation um, of um, these waves. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, there is also a big discussion that there is um, a region uh, which is kind of a, re a reflector for the seismic waves and which could um, mean that the convection is not just one convection roll, but it splits up in two regions, or one deeper one and one mm -hmm. higher one. And never one can yes. really prove it, but uh, kind of um, very many of the seismic data point to that. Yeah. And so... <clears throat> I, n I never really treated the wave equations yeah. myself, but uh, I was kind of um, touching on that. I, I would say that the challenge for a mathematician, um, and I would qualify myself as a shameless mathematician. I, I am not a physicist. I, I try to understand the physics behind my problems, but I am, I am given the equation. I, I assume that the equation is, 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 is the right one. Is to try to see as much of the equation as you can and try to... to get as many properties from the solutions of that equation as you can. Once you have these properties and you have the, your correct simulation, you can start comparing with the reality and say, oh, this model is, is too, too simple because some of these phenomena are lost. So if you want to really simulate reality, you have to change the equation. And that's going to, to go back to the modeler, to the physicist, and he's going to say, you need to add this, this, mm. you know, this, this part to the, to the model. You, you need to deal with a more, more complicated model. But uh, once you are given the equation, the equation have, has its own life. So the properties of the solution of the equations are not the physical properties. The equation is the equation. The equation has solutions, and these solutions reflect certain properties. Yes, properties of the uh, yes, of and uh, of course, uh, also from everyday life, we know that waves can um, behave in very different manners. And if this would be all uh, contained in just one equation, would be kind of funny if this is true. Yes. Even if the wave equation is kind of the equation with the most uh, freedom. So in the way that, so for example, if you have like elliptic and parabolic going to yeah. ellipt uh, hyperbolic, then with the elliptic, everything is damped down. So yeah. there is uh, no much uh, place for singularities, which you yeah. could also read off as interesting cases. Yes. Uh, and the parabolic is kind of in between. Mm -hmm. And then hyperbolic um, has a lot of things which could happen, but um, it's hard to imagine that everything which you observe as waves is just in one equation. Yes. This is also a, an interesting part of, 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 of working with, uh, with wave equations, and that's part of the, of the reason why I started moving in this direction years ago. I, I grew up in a, in a safe elliptic world. <laughs> in the safe elliptic world, everything is quite well understood. I wouldn't say everything is understood, but it's, it's quite well understood. And, 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 and there's, there's been uh, 
decades of, of research telling you that if your data are in this place or your, your sources for the equation for your physical problem are, have these properties, the solution is going to behave this way. So even if the equations can be very complicated, many properties are predictable. Uh, when you move to this, this, to this world of propagation, uh, it's, it's, it's really clear that the mathematics are, are, are getting there, but they are not there yet. So many properties are still wide open. They, they, there's, there's properties telling you that when with, if, if your excitation of the system is of this form, the solution might be of this way, but you don't have a, a very precise estimate. So when you come from the elliptic equations, you always know what you call the mapping property. So given data, solutions are here. With uh, hyperbolic equations, this is not, this is not clear at all. You, you have some estimates, and most people are aware that they are not they are not optimal, they are not the best that you can have. That There might be other techniques giving you better estimates. Even it's, it's clear that some you use some um, white tools, so you have your, your collection of theorems that you try to apply for this problem, and some of these theorems, for instance, they are, they are never using convexity, for instance, that mm -hmm. they, the, the object doesn't have any concavity where the, a wave can be trapped. So therefore, this tool cannot be perfect because the tool is missing something important that can happen in physics, but mathematically that tool is not is ignoring that that problem. So this is when you start realizing that uh, you are, you cannot get stuck with a set of tools for for studying this problem. You have techniques from uh, from traditional partial differential equations. You have to, to to borrow techniques from physics and try to adapt them to to the mathematical context to to try to prove rigorous rigorous estimates. Um, still, there's going to be a lot of things to be done, and I, I think even it can be safely say that there's never going to be a, a, a neat solution where you say, "Oh, this is the final word." There's going to be always, if the if the if the if the if the obstacle, if the scatterer that we say has these properties, then your wave is going to behave this way. But if suddenly everything is very smooth, there's no there's no kinks in the obstacle. Everything has going to sat satisfy some different properties. But if you have concavities, there's going to be some trapped waves. That they are going, so you're going to, to, to get different properties for the solution. So this richness of, of, of physical properties are reflected also in the equation and in the set of tools that you have to use yeah. to work on the equation. <clears throat> Then... Um What is also kind of fascinating that you have all these uh, new type of materials. So you could have an obstacle which has um, changing materials in, in the different uh, space points in a way that um, if you have a prescribed type of waves going through this obstacle, obstacle um, it makes itself invisible. Yes. So, and this is fascinating that you can do that with waves. Yes, uh, this is uh, also, a, I mean, this is an interesting topic that's uh, right now very hot in the community. And because pract in practice, at the level of, of quality that we, we can have measurements, these things have already been done. There's, there, there's, there's drones flying yeah. in, in, in space which are completely undetectable. This is, this is not true really at the mathematical level. There's no clear proof that you can hide things unless you create math materials that only exist in theory. Yeah, yes, this is the, we give this back to the engineers now. Yeah. Build this, yes. show that you can do your craft. But it's true that with, uh, with, with scattering of waves, you can, you can generate very interesting phenomena by, by, by placing obstacles. You can send a simple wave, so a simple pulse, and then you can put a, a, an obstacle that is going to Break the pulse into two different pulses. So, so because of the presence of something in the in in, in the in the way, you are going to hear this single sound twice. 
Yeah. And it's because it was temporarily trapped by the obstacle, it's delayed, it's wrapped up, and then it comes back at you again a little bit later. And it's not a really a reflection, it's just it's going, it's still going ahead, but it's just broken into two pieces. And many of these effects can be can be simulated very easily and you say you see phenomena you, you wouldn't expect. Probably a physicist understands these things clearly. They say there is a heuristic reason why this is going to happen. But it's exciting to to understand your equation, to do, to do your simulation and, and observe things that you didn't know. Yeah. But of course, on the so to say, on the negative side of that is that it also means that you lose stability. Because if you can break up things, they are not yeah. stable. And, and even in mathematical terms, um, with um, your data you put into your system, you have to expect that small changes in the data affect the outcome in, in a grave way. Yeah, but I think, I mean, stability uh, can depend on many, on many properties. So stability is not something that is suddenly broken in, in these linear models. Stability is something that, that's... Uh, so before the wave, if wave is broken, probably there's there's an intermediate, intermediate material where the the wave is is elongated. So instead of is, is because of the delay of of the of a material that the wave has to go through, suddenly the wave is a little bit longer. So the sound that should should be short is suddenly longer, and then this elongation suddenly produces this 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 break. Mm. But the the break that never happens suddenly. It's just it's something continuous with with respect to the properties of the material. Yeah. So. This is still a safe, a safe world of, of linear equations where things happen slowly. Yes, but if you are um, making this uh, in a numerical scheme and you just touch on discrete points and your points are not um, near enough to each other while such things happen, then of course um, this break occurs suddenly yes. or you don't even get it because your numerical scheme doesn't really reflect the properties of your continuous scheme. Yes, and, and that's where numerical simulation has to be has to play it very safe. So you have to know a lot about your numerical method to be sure that whatever you're producing is correct up to precision. So at least you know that everything that you're doing is fine. You might not have enough resolution to see everything that's happening, but you know that in, on, on average everything is right. You are not producing anything that's completely off. Mm. Uh, this is a slightly different when we, we work. The, the world I'm moving on is, is transient waves. So we see propagation of, of, of quantities in time. There's the frequency domain uh, world where they, they, they move to a steady state problem. They move to, 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 to waves that propagate all, always at the same frequency. So everything is oscillating at the same speed. And, and, and we have a frequency problem. And high frequencies are always very difficult to deal with. In the transient waves is different. Everything has all the frequencies, so we are dealing with all the frequencies at the same time. We're just propagating in time, and then it's more difficult to capture all the details, but if your method is good enough, you know that the speed of propagation of, 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 of the waves is, is, is the correct one. That dispersion, which is the fact that if your wave is concentrated, your numerical method gives a non-concentrated wave, is taken control of, so you know that dispersion is not too bad or the lack of dispersion is, 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 is controlled. And eventually you know that if you, if you use enough computational power, you are going to be able to see the wave as it is. And is there a certain type of um, numerical schemes um, precisely for this? Um, so, for example, with the scattering, you will have to um, make a discretization of all your geometry 
And then you will have to discretize uh, your equation. You will have to discretize the boundary probably really yes. very careful because the boundary is where you have to observe the scattering. And um, in, which, in which way um, is the numerics working there? So there, there's very different tools. Um, my background is in something called boundary integral equations. Boundary integral equations, the idea is that you move all your computation of the, of the air Of the, of the surrounding medium where the wave is propagating, you move all the computation to the boundary of the scatterer, of the obstacle, and then you still compute inside using different techniques. So for bounded domains, for, for, for obstacles, we have a, a wealth of, of numerical schemes. So typically my tradition would be go to try to use finite element methods because that's, that's what's my background, and I think they are solid, they are good methods, they are very well understood, and they are easy, easy to build into black boxes. And, and this other reduction to the boundary, this is the boundary integral equation tool, it gives you the, the right physics. So you are not doing any approximation, and then you approximate this, this other equation, which is an integral equation. So you substitute a, a partial differential equation by a, an equivalent integral equation. And this only works for, a, for some few equations. It's not, it's not a method that works for every equation. But for those equations for which this method works, it's, it's a very reliable method that gives you the right physics. All the work is done on the surface of the scatterer and probably in the interior of the scatterer to control what's going through. And so the computational effort is reduced heavily instead of having to control basically empty space, a huge amount of, uh, of, of space so that we don't see fake reflections because of artificial boundaries yeah. that we put for computation. We are doing everything right on the boundary. Everything comes at a price. The equation is much more complicated. So an integral equation has something called that it is non-local. Non-local means that every pair of points on the boundary is in a way interconnected. In, in PDEs, in partial differential equations, we think that everything is local. What's going to happen in, the next, in, in a point close to the point or in a, in, in a time close to the current time is going to depend only on properties local to, the, to, to, clo yeah, local to, the, to the, that point in time and space. In integral equations, everything is interconnected. This interconnection is actually taking care of this idea that we are, we are bringing everything from outer space to the boundary. So there has to be a, there has to be a, a way of information, where, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes that equations are more complicated. From the point of view of doing numerical methods, what we tell the students is, 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 a, very, is a very simple thing. PDE methods lead to sparse matrices. Yeah. Matrices where there's plenty of zeros. And everything is concentrated to neighbors. It's like a small graph where points only see points that are close by. So you have a small, small group of friends, and the friends know friends, but you are not friends of friends of friends. In integral equations, everything is full. Everybody knows each other. You still know better your neighbors, so you have more information from your neighbors, but everybody who's far away still has some connection to you. They have something to tell you. Yes, and um, probably uh, using boundary integral methods, you need a certain um, regularity of your obstacle. So there's, there's, again, there's different tools, there's different mm. kind of methods. Some people use, uh, I would say the simplest numerical methods for this require that the boundary is smooth enough. <laughs> smooth enough, yes. Yeah, the so famous this, smooth enough. You, you, it's sort of uh, that if you are If you can imagine yourself walking on the, on, on the boundary, you never find a, a kink. So it's, it's, there's never a moment where you, you are vertical with respect to the surface. So there's, there's kind of a, you, are all, you always try to be perpendicular to respect to the surface, and suddenly you have to give a jump. In uh, the, the type of methods I'm using is, are called Galerkin methods. They are probably the most 
time-consuming of them, but they are they are robust with respect to this presence of, of, of corners. So they work on polyhedra, they work on, on things that are piecewise smooth, but then they, they can have corners, they can have kinks, and that gives you a, a, a guarantee that you are computing the right thing, even in presence of singularities. Mm. Yeah, that's the reason why um, the Galakian methods, they are kind of in the weak cosmos. Yes, that's yes. why can they uh, don't really feel um, yeah. these corner spaces yeah. or make a good sense of that. But what's also an advantage is that um, the theory behind that, so it's kind of an approximation of the real thing in a very precise sense. Yes. That's also really good, yes. Um <clears throat> If you um, combine your finite elements uh, with the boundary methods, um, probably it's not really easy to put boundary values to your finite elements. So uh, I would say that there's, again, many ways of understanding mm. this. Uh, the, 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 the way I like to understand this, this combination, this coupling or interfacing of, of methods is each method has some internal data that are things happening inside your method and some external data that yeah. you could call boundary conditions. So uh, this interfacing of, of, of finite and boundary elements for, for acoustics, you can think that your, your wave equation needs data for the, for the boundary element method. So you assume that one of the data is known and you are going to bring that piece of data from the finite element code. And now the finite element code is going to use another piece of data that's complementary. And that piece of data is going to come from the boundary element, element code. It's not as simple as you first solve one and then the other, and then yeah. that would be great. That would be solving many times, but uh, this tends to work if you have steady state problems and sometimes works if you do it properly if you are in the frequency domain. You have to do it properly because sometimes you can enter in kind of a, a numerical resonance where the equations are resonating and you never get to any limit. But in the time domain, it's not as simple as that. What you have to do is you have to integrate the two codes. Again, you assume that one of the data is known, is coming from the other one. You assume that the other piece of data for the other code is needed and is coming from the other piece of code. And then this integration is done by writing everything simultaneously and try to, to, to make this work in time uh, as, you, as you compute. Uh, computation is going to be lengthy. It's going to be not going to be easy. But you try to do the integration of the code to be as mild as possible. You you try not to touch your existing code. You try to to make the, the interconnection simple. Yeah, yeah, because you always expect that for the next problem you will have to touch it again, and then it should be clear yes. uh, where to put your new yeah. um, module. And it, it also brings uh, something that's uh, that's an interesting issue for for people who do numerical simulation is legacy code. It's, you you have, <laughs> yeah. you have not always produced your own code. You have code that is. is it was produced years ago for some other reason, still solves the problem that you want to solve, is better or worse documented, but now it has to be integrated with a different piece of code. And one would think that everything is simple until you realize, five years ago, I liked these kind of polynomials. I expressed my polynomials in this basis. And then two, three years ago, I changed my mind. I prefer to use these other polynomials because I realized that they were better. And then your two different pieces of code work with different bases. And things that you, you learn in linear algebra, that you have to change bases, and you think that these things are only for theoretical purposes, they, they, they are brought into practice very clearly. You, you need to, to relate one basis of polynomials to another base of polynomials. And that's going to be your interconnection. You, you have to suddenly change bases in the middle of your code. Yes, and it would be better if you do not have so many rounding errors during that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, 
And I, you know, from your um, from your explanations, it sounds to me as if you're really fascinated by your research topic. I would say it is a fun topic. Is uh, so we do mathematics for different reasons. We do mathematics because we're paid to <laughs> mathematics. I think mathematics is is about studying a problem and, and looking in depth what the problem is about. I'm not particularly saying I would study any kind of problem. I try to, to, to pick my problems from reality or from what physicists tell me that reality is or engineers tell me mm -hmm. that reality is. I'm not claiming to be to solve a practical problem to the end. I interact with people who use these kind of these kind of tools so that they can use the tools that we produce and, and this application can go into a practical problem in the future. But uh, so the reason to study this it can be that you you like this equation, you like the, the, how close to the physics is, because it's challenging. You realize that suddenly people don't understand this thing, these equations very well. That you 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 you, you can have a your approach can give new insights into the equation, into the into your problem, and this can be helpful in the future, not only for the physical part but also for the mathematical development. Um, It's so, there's also a, a part that's educational. I, I like the topic because it, it brings you, it brings very challenging mathematics. It's, it's not a technique-oriented field. In some other fields, you have your set of tools. You use it for new problems. In this field, you have an equation. The set of tools is very unclear. So you have to pick up from, uh, from different books or from different fields of exper expertise. You have to pick up new tools, you have to pick up new theorems, new arguments, and you apply them to try to understand your equation better. At the same time, the, the computational part is very intensive, so it's this idea of interfacing different pieces of code is, is far from trivial, and it puts you in a very challenging situation of, of trying to compute things that take a while. It's not, yeah. <laughs> it's not something that you are going to click a button and there you go, there's your solution. So... Even for training new students, it's an exciting problem. It's just they, they get to, to see something complicated. It's, it's not something where you are going to be able to do some to do to produce results in the first day by just changing a small epsilon into something that existed before. This is the, I think the field is wide open and it's exciting. I would say also that part of what we do is explain to is explain our math to other people, people who sometimes are not that interested in the math; they are interested in the results, and being able to produce. Uh, a result that's dynamic is, is, is also, I would say, rewarding because you see that even if, the, if your audience lost attention while you were talking about your theorems, your techniques, when there is a small movie at the end and you say, look, uh, all of these theorems and all of this work produce this movie at the end, uh, there's a, a level of excitement that you, you feel back from the audience. I say, so actually there's something in, behind these, all of these theorems, all of these coding and at the end you produce something that looks meaningful at least yeah and it can look meaningful because it um, uh, mirrors um, the, ex uh, the experiences we have or it can be uh, funny because it shows something which we didn't expect to see yes and because especially with the scattering there are a lot of things which are not really uh, at least as uh, from everyday life no, not our experience but uh, maybe just the experience for certain specialized physicists yes um, when you were deciding about um, your future life, what job to choose as a young man, would you have thought that you will end up doing uh, wave equations and scattering? Not, not at all. <laughs> this, this, this came very slowly. Uh, my training as a mathematician was uh, 
even if it was as an applied mathematician, numerical analyst, was in a school where applications were not important, theory was important, understanding uh, mathematics was important, computation was important, but with no particular problem in mind. Uh, my goal was to become a, more like an astronomer or someone working in, in I would say, uh, computational differential equations. And then I took a class in finite elements in my last year as an undergraduate student, and I said, uh, this is what I want to do in my life. <laughs> but then uh, when I found an advisor for this, my advisor told me, uh, you are going to work with this other person in France who is very interesting and does very interesting things in this, in this area. And, and, and this advisor in France, he told me, I don't do finite elements anymore, but I, I'm, I'm interested in this thing called the boundary element method. So you are going to work on this. I had never heard about an integral equation before. I had never heard about this method. And that became my life for, for some years. Those problems I was solving, again, they were not very related to, to practical problems. They were interesting, mathematically speaking, and we are coding, we are understanding the, the, the numerics, but we are not getting that much into practical problems. But very close to that, there was the wave equation. So the, surprisingly enough, in, in this concurrence of mathematically identical or identical or similar equations that reflect very different physical problems, the, the Helmholtz equation was very similar to the equation I was solving, and the Helmholtz equation is the is the the steady state, or I would say the time harmonic or fixed frequency equation for the wave equation. So I was working on that for some years because I, I wanted to move to more practical issues. After some years, I, re I realized I want to do movies in a way. I, I want to I want to to see things move in time. I realized that the topic I was working on was starting to be repetitive for for my own interests. So I decided this looks like it's a, it's a wide open topic. When I entered the topic, I, f I found it was m much more wide open than I thought. Mm -hmm. It was very challenging. So that made the, the, the change to the, to the new topic very interesting. And it's, it's, it's been keeping me busy for several years already. Yes, I just had to laugh a little bit when you were talking about your excitement of meeting the finite element models for the first time. Because um, it was the same for me. <laughs> so we had um, a very enthusiastic teacher uh, in our basic numerics course so just the first term you learn numerics so where you in principle learn like interpolation integration a little bit and so on and he was forcing us that at the end we had to learn finite element yes. methods and uh, of course this was really challenging for us and we made a bit of joke about it like fem can you can read that as fem or fame and this was always uh, our way to become famous is to understand <laughs> uh, finite element methods yeah. and we didn't know how true this was because we were just making fun of our teacher mm. but this fascination ne never really left me and then afterwards you see all these connections that it's just um, interesting tools and calculus questions that you really have to understand that, that it has something to do with variational problems and with numerical problems and um, I can even do proofs for partial differential equations using Galorkin schemes which are very closely connected to that mm -hmm. and so that's really kind of um, understandable to me that you were fascinating by that. Yes. I think it was for me the first encounter of, 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 of a mathematical field where the numerics and the, and the theory were yeah, very so close very together. Close, yes. And Then I understood sometime later when I started uh, talking to engineers about this that is the popularity of the method is not because of the proof. That's probably the, the reason of the popularity for, for mathematicians. But it's because it, the method is very solid. It's, it gives 
it's very easy to build a black box with a method, something that's a tool where you just introduce your geometry, introduce your data, and you get a solution. Yeah. And this is this is kind of a unique thing for the finite element method. Yeah, and in, in a way, it's quite the opposite case for the boundary uh, integral cases because this is always absolutely specialized for the problem in hand. Yes. But still, is uh, so the boundary integral equation probably because it's my field. Is I, I think it's unfair to say, but it's the best method for a few, a yeah, few number of equations. Yeah, if you have to have all information, yeah. that's really clear. Yes. So it's it's a it's a difficult method. Uh, it has very good properties, uh, but again. The, the approach of these Galerkin van der Leyen methods that I, I'm using is again, it goes to, again to be to being very solid. It, it works on any geometry. You give the geometrical properties, you are restricted to this collection of equations, but still it can it can deal with many, many different problems. And you might need a lot of resolution because your, pro, your geometry is very complicated, but still you know that what you're producing is meaningful. Yes. Um, you were talking about your development in mathematical sciences leading you to the um, things you presented here, but you were also changing countries um, during your work. Um, is this kind of an interesting experience to go from one culture to a different culture? It was. It was because I did it quite late in my life. So uh, my PhD was done officially in Spain, although my advisor was always in France, so I was sort of commuting. So we, connect, we, we com communicated a lot by letter. But it was when uh, email existed, but attach attachments were very new. So yeah, Email had to be very short, uh, so, so just a few bytes. So we communicated a lot by letter. Mm -hmm. we, I went to France from time to time. He came to, to Saragossa, where, where, I, where, where I was a student in Spain, and then... Uh, After after that, I, I got my degree in Zaragoza. I got a job in Zaragoza. I was working there for, for some years. I got several good students, uh, so I, I, I enjoyed working there a lot. But then I decided I, want to, I wanted to, to get some fresh air. And I got a nice connection in the United States. So I spent three years in the University of Minnesota, which is uh, one of the best schools in the world for applied mathematics. Um, while I was in, the, in Minnesota, I decided I'm going to give it a chance. I'm going to try to get a job in the United States. This was in 2000. 7, 2010, so it was in the middle of the, of the crisis, so jobs were very scarce. And eventually the, I knew people in Delaware, and I got a job there, and I was very happy to move to the University of Delaware. It was, for me, one of the dream schools, because some of the best people in my area were working there. Mm -hmm. So I actually knew of the reputation of several of them. I knew some of them, because they are in my community. I went, I found a, a very exciting small school. It's not a big university, it's only 20,000 students. For American standard, this is a medium-sized school. We have an exciting department with a very good graduate program. So that gives all kinds of opportunities that right now Spain doesn't offer. Spain, because of the crisis and because of the structure of the, of the graduate schools, graduate schools in, uh, in mathematics are dying. They are only surviving in big cities and medium-sized universities have to merge Graduate programs is, is more and more difficult to have a nice group with students being excited about their, their, their possibilities of the future. So, yeah, the United States gives that. Yes. And now you're coming here um, to meet part, um, <laughs> persons of your community in Karlsruhe and work together with us on WAVES. Yes, it's, I have to say it's my first time in Karlsruhe, but I've come to, to, to Germany many times. I had, I had a collaborator for many years in Göttingen. Mm -hmm. So... And the community is pretty much the same. Yeah. And some of the colleagues here in Karlsruhe and some of the colleagues of Göttingen had a lot of interaction in Delaware as well before I went there. So I realized that we, even if we were in two separate communities, one of direct scattering, so people who compute, 
and the other one in, in inverse problems, try, people who try to figure out properties after computation. Uh, these communities were very close to each other, and eventually I found, I met people I had met in Germany, I met them in Delaware through a completely different connection. So showing that this is a small world and yeah. it's nice to, to have all of this. And there movement. are also kind of waves going through communities and, yes. uh, and a series kind of. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So maybe this is not your last visit here in Karlsruhe. Uh, actually, in one month I'll be back here because oh, okay. there's a very interesting conference on, 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 on waves. wave equation. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Yeah, that I could have guessed that. That's true. I didn't think about that. <laughs> okay, so thank you for taking okay, the time you. to speak about your fascinating um, area of expertise. And um, I hope you will enjoy your stay here and uh, the future stays as well. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>